3: Hello and welcome to Clash of the Titles, the podcast in which two movies with something in common go head-to-head to see which one does it better. On this episode, in the red corner, we've got a spoof of disaster movies in 1980s Airplane. Airplane is drama. Airplane is action. Airplane is music.
4: There is only one
0: river. There is only one sea. Airplane is dancing. I,
2: I, 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 stay tonight,
0: stay tonight. The most incredible adventure the screen has ever
2: created. He's coming right at us!
3: In the blue corner, we've got a spoof of World War II movies in 1984's Top Secret.
2: Look, I'm not the first guy who fell in love with a girl he met in a restaurant, who then turned out to be the daughter of a kidnapped scientist, only to lose her to a childhood lover, who she'd last seen on a deserted island, and who turned out 15 years later to be the leader of the French underground. I know. It It all sounds like some bad movie. And
3: in the other, unspecified corner, we've got a spoof of cop movies in 1988's The Naked Gun. In this city, there's crime on every street. But one man has seen enough. He's
0: Lieutenant Frank Drebin. Whatever scum did this, not one man on this force will rest for one minute until he's behind bars. Now let's grab a bite to eat. He's a good cop. ...who's having a bad day. And his city is in the hands of a master criminal with a sinister plan. I must kill the Queen.
3: So what connects these three movies and which one does it better? Let's find out. It's Clash of the Titles.
0: Release the Kraken.
3: Hello Clash Podders, I'm Chris Tilly.
1: I'm Vicky Crompton. Where the fuck is Alex?
3: We are very sadly <laughs> zaneless this week.
1: Oh no, 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 wait, sorry. Oh babe, I meant to say I got a text, sorry. Yeah, so what's happened is he has put on a little bit of weight over Christmas and because he only owns trousers that are toothpick thin, he actually can't leave the house. So sorry, I can't believe I didn't tell you, so he sends his apologies. Um, he's going to hit the gym, juice cleanse, whatever it takes to be back with us soon.
3: I'm just worried if Alex is the only reason some people tune in.
1: We will definitely find out.
3: <laughs> um, as you heard, this week, Airplane goes up against Top Secret and The Naked Gun in our second ever triple threat. Uh, though without Alex, it's going to be more of a two-way, three-way. A two-way, three-way. Um, <laughs> I picked the films, so Vicky, would you like to reveal the connection?
1: Yes, I would. The connection is, aren't tits hilarious?
3: <laughs> Wait, I've got another one. No, are you asking me that as a genuine <laughs> question? Because I do have an answer.
1: I think we will talk about the answer to that question quite a lot in okay. the next hour and a bit. Um, sports references I don't understand, which is a lot, but you know that's maybe a very personal connection.
3: Yeah, but I'm a sports guy. There's quite a few I don't yep. understand as well.
1: Uh, films with exclamation marks in the titles. That's it.
3: Does Naked Gun have an exclamation mark as well? It's full
1: title does, yeah. Lovely.
3: Um, Yes, all those are correct, but I picked the films and the connection is Zucker, Abraham's Zucker. Uh, Two brothers and a friend who met at school and uh, had a talent for spoofs and made that their career. And so the three of them collaborated on these movies. There's other spoofs that they've been involved in where they were kind of did them as separate entities, but these are the big ones that they did together. Well two big ones on a flop. Sure. Um so we're kicking off with Airplane which is the one we gave to Alex which gives us an issue. Um I couldn't be bothered to write an intro.
1: I'm just going to look at my shoes until you step up.
3: I I as this is going um coordinate with the quiz I'm doing at the end. I just copied and pasted the IMDb description. I
1: think you've done yeah, I think you're slacking off with these things. not you've done robot voice, you've done something I can't remember, but I don't remember any original content from you for quite a few weeks now. But, this, um,
3: this wasn't my film. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs>
1: Sorry. You do do what you got to do.
3: Okay. A man afraid to fly must ensure that a plane lands safely after the pilots become sick.
1: <laughs> Is that what it says? That's what IMDb
3: says. <laughs> well, it's not wrong. <laughs> no, it's pretty basic. Yeah. Um, so what do you know about the background to this film? I literally?
1: know that um, it's based uh, in part on an Arthur Haley book. Um, and Arthur, Haley. i've said before in my house we weren't big readers um but arthur haley was uh, my dad and i think every dad's favorite writer so i sort of understood the genre that we were working in and i remember seeing it it was like went like you know the jokes went like wildfire around the playground i haven't seen it for a few years
3: yep um yes and no i would say it's it's arthur haley wrote the script
1: oh is it not on a book
3: no he wrote airport
1: Airport, right, yeah.
3: So, okay.
1: uh, I know about Zero Hour, yeah. but, but only because of research for the podcast.
3: Yeah, so, um, well, going back a little bit into, into how, how these guys first got going, they did spoofs on stage and it was called uh, Kentucky Fried Theatre. And they were doing that in the early 70s when, um, to, to put that show together, they would, they would put, a, a, they had an early video recorder And they would put the video on to record adverts on late at night on American television, so that they could take the piss out of them.
1: Because adverts are so funny.
3: Late night American adverts are very bad. Okay. And so, uh, but one night they were checking out the video that they'd recorded. There were no funny adverts, but this movie Zero Hour was on. And uh, that's a 1957 film that stars an actor called Dana Andrews as Ted Stryker. Oh,
2: right.
3: <laughs> and um, the plot of that film is, during a commercial flight, the pilots and some passengers suffer food poisoning, thus forcing an ex-World War II fighter pilot to try and land the airliner in heavy fog. I see. So they started spoofing that, and then they realised they were using so much of it, they just bought the rights to the film. They bought <laughs> the script, and I watched Zero Hour. Oh, is it good? <laughs> um, it's incredible. They they literally, every serious scene and moment in Airplane is copied and pasted from that. Right. To the point that they even had a copy of it uh, uh, on set. So they would try and copy the way it was staged and performed, which is such a niche joke because no one knows Zero Hour. Is
1: that like the film equivalent of doing a tracing of a famous picture <laughs> and then you're like, da-da, Matisse. But,
3: but they added really. all the jokes on top. Oh, okay. All right. So anything serious in this film, they didn't write. It's written, right. uh, in, it's, it's zero hour, And anything funny, they added on top. So it's quite incredible watching them side by side yeah. to see uh, the similarities there. But um, it was originally called The Late Show, this film, and it was going to actually have adverts, spoof adverts all the way through it. Okay. Uh, but the producers, the studio said, no, you've just got a funny story here. The, the funny stuff's the flight, not, mm. not, the, not these jokes in between. So they then called it Kentucky Fried Airplane, before finally calling it Airplane. Okay. So that's a bit of background.
1: Airplane exclamation mark. Is Airplane right? <laughs>
3: exclamation mark. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it's interesting how they put these films together. They, they said the misconception is that is that they write them when they're stoned. Yeah. They said we don't do that, and that we improvise on set. We don't do that. It's all it's all written down. Um, but what they do do is every one of their films, they would spend weeks and weeks taking them to universities and just playing them over and over again just to get the timings of the jokes right and they would even record the audience laughing to get the right length of pause in between or cut seconds out just so that so yeah there's some there's some science got into this but um (laughs) I mean I've said the plot is there much more to the plot of this film Vicky?
1: Ah there's a lot of flashback stuff um which doesn't It it adds to the plot in some way, but no. Basically, Ted Stryker, a traumatised war pilot, uh, is sort of stagnating in his life. His girlfriend is not impressed with him. She is a flight attendant. He boards the flight in order to win her back and has to take over the flying of the aircraft because everybody gets sick and he has to bring it down safely. And that's kind of it.
3: Yeah. Um, Although he's surrounded by an interesting group of characters. Yes. Is he not? Yeah. We've got uh doctors, we've got former army general I've got army generals, we've got um who else have we got?
1: Just if they're an old white man, they're <laughs> in this film. It gets hard to tell them apart by the end. Do you not feel like that?
3: With white hair.
1: Yeah. A lot like, of just white just men with you're white you're a hair. Bit t- oh no, did I watch this on Yeah, I did. I watched this on New Year's Day. So I'd had um three <laughs> hours sleep and um, I was feeling a little bit delicate. And by the end, I was like, who's this now <laughs> with this joke? It's my problem. I I get it. I'll try harder.
3: But I guess the point of what they were doing was casting serious actors yeah. who were known. So, uh, oh my God, what's he called? Is it Peter? I've forgotten his name. Uh, who's the chief pilot. He was on Mission Impossible. Right. Um, you've got Lloyd Bridges, mm. who did a lot of serious stuff. You've got Robert Stack. You've got... Um, Famously, you've got Leslie Nielsen, who, who uh, he said he'd only really done one comedy role previous to this, which was an episode of MASH. Right. Other than that, he'd only ever done serious uh, drama. And, and it's interesting that the, the Zuckers and, and, and Jim Abrams said that uh, he got it immediately. They said Lloyd Bridges, we had to. Yeah, explain what was going on and, and how yeah. we wanted him to behave. Whereas with Leslie Nielsen, they didn't. He just knew it from the word go. Yeah. He knew how to do this
1: because because it's so straight. Yes, and he gets it so much. And, and then it's Lloyd what's... Bridges is so, not cracking up a bit, but is is quite is very hammy, and it's fine. But obviously, a lot has been said about like Leslie is just dead, like dead pan, dead down the camera, like it just nails it.
3: And it's quite remarkable watching Zero Hour. He looks identical to the guy that played the doctor right. in Zero Hour. And he. he That's what I'm saying.
1: Yeah. Older white men with white hair, see, <laughs> so they all blend into one.
3: And he's delivering his lines in exactly the same way as that guy does. But.
1: Maybe he took a leaf out of Zaz's book and just copied it and thought, <laughs> well, <laughs> it works for them.
3: So, um, I feel like they've gone, when it comes to the jokes in this film, they've gone for quantity, not quality.
1: They don't all land. Yeah, they don't all land. um...
3: They were never going to. And I think I guess... Oh, wait,
1: that's a pun. They don't all land. (laughs) Yay! (laughs) You see, you would normally get that, but I know you're concentrating so hard because you're like, you're doing the heavy lifting and I get that. (laughs) But I tell you what, I'll do like a flash, and I'll be like, "You should laugh at that, basically."
3: And also, it's partly because I'm I'm actually sitting in Alex's chair, aren't and he I? doesn't
1: find me that funny. <laughs> That's true. It's Shit. rubbing off. It's rubbing off on me.
3: Um, but I guess that the, the attitude they've taken is, if you didn't laugh at the last joke, there'll be one in thirty yeah, seconds yeah, exactly. that you might like. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I was going to rather than pick a favourite scene this week, I was I, I've asked you to pick a favourite joke. <laughs> yeah,
1: I do have quite a few. <laughs> quite a few. Me too. So do you want
3: to list some of your favourites before actually saying what your very favourite is?
1: Yeah. Um, are you a nervous flyer? The, oh, shit. I can't remember the fucking joke. Oh, I feel a bit nervous. Is it your first time? No, I've been nervous lots of times. Yeah, that's very funny. Yeah.
3: But And that's kind of a template for the same joke that they do yeah over and over again but it works
2: every time yes it
1: does the i'll tell you one joke i can't abide and that's because you know that a a lot of like the stuff from the Zaz films people just copy and you hear it in the playground and you just you just say it we'll get onto it like especially nick you can just say it without really thinking where it came from oh i've got a friend and she is she's a smart young professional and she's she manages a lot of people and i think she says this in team meetings a lot and it, it might i find it mortifying but it's um don't call me Shirley. Mm. Fuck me if she doesn't say that every single fucking time I say the word serious or seriously to the point where I felt like I was going to like jab her in the eye. Like you've got to stop doing it. It's not that funny. And it isn't funny if you hear it sort of 10, 15 times every time you talk to someone.
3: Are you saying she does the Shirley joke when you say the word seriously? Yes. So it's a joke on top of a joke.
1: Yes. Yeah. Wait, what? What Mm. did you just say? I say, oh, like seriously. And then she says, don't call me Shirley. That's I'm like God. Oh my God, I'm boring myself. Anyway, it's not that funny. Um, the but my best, the funniest joke, and I'm not because I don't think I've got a very sophisticated sense of humor because this is the thing I find the funniest is, um, is roger Roger <laughs> Roger. Really you've got clearance, Clarence Clarence. Yeah. Roger Roger, <laughs> Captain Over Over. That is and Victor. Funny. Yeah, you yeah. got
3: Victor over Roger and Clarence.
1: <laughs> it just is, and I'm relieved because. There are there are quite a few of the jokes that I just don't like anymore with the benefit of some distance. But I I did laugh a lot. At this well, well,
3: speaking of which, the pilots obviously the young kid Joey comes to visit them. Yeah. Um, I
1: mean, I I know what you're going to say. I think it's funny. Yeah, yeah.
3: So so that's a scene from Zero Hour. Is they, it? they they were very clearly watching Zero Hour and thought it's a bit creepy. Oh, not because the how captain's long not a
1: pedo in Zero. Hour. He's not a pedo, but wow, he, okay. he
3: does want the kid to stay up there for longer than is necessary. <laughs> that's and he does ask him some some strange questions. So they were obviously sitting there. They were sitting there nudging each other, going, hold on, so there's weird. something at play. Yeah.
1: So, do you like movies with gladiators? <laughs> that's funny <laughs>
3: have you ever been in a Turkish prison <laughs> um, originally the first line he wrote for that scene uh, was have you ever sucked a grown man's cock
1: whoa no, no but no, his idea
3: no. was that it, this was never going to end up in the film and he was just trying to make the Zucker Brothers laughed, Jim Abrams. Oh, OK. Bye. And they were like, they laughed. They said, we can't use this. But actually, yeah. you're onto something here. Right. Let's have the pilot float with Joey. That's nice. Um, that is a very good joke. Obviously, there's a joke that's over and over again. Um... Sorry, over and over again. Uh, yeah, someone says we got a telegram from headquarters, and someone says headquarters. What is it? A big building with generals in? Yeah, that's they funny. do the same with the hospital and cockpit. They do that same joke. Funny is funny. Um, I like it when Strikers um, telling doing his flashback stories, and, and the old ladies hanged herself.
1: Oh yeah, and then the blokes
3: pouring gasoline over himself.
1: Oh, I didn't like it. I don't. I. I I'm not. I don't feel screamed about it. I just didn't think it was that funny. Well,
3: the thing for me is that having visited, you know this film has been it came out in 1980 so as long as i can remember this has been on the telly and i've had it on video yeah. and i've watched it and at different times in my life i found different jokes funny yeah and different jokes unfunny and also i've got some jokes that i didn't get
1: what this time around
3: no no certainly when i was younger there yeah. were a lot of jokes i didn't get okay. some of the ruder jokes yeah. and now maybe i get some of the references that i didn't know back then okay But I've also lost some of the references from from back then. Um, But yeah, I remember finding that one funny when I was a teenager. But I think my favourite one is a very simple one, when he says the shit hits the fan.
1: Oh, And then in the background you see some shit hitting the fan. No, I don't like that. I remember
3: how much that made me laugh as a 12-year-old. Of course. So I'm I'm nominating that one. I also, there was one I noticed for the first time this time. The the automatic pilot has a name in the credits. Oh, really? Otto.
1: Oh, okay. Otto, Otto. They put a little joke in there. I don't think that's that funny. Sorry, we um one final joke I wanted to mention was in the flashback scene when um Ted and what's Julie Haggerty's name? Elaine. Is Elaine. Think, Ted yeah. and Elaine. They've joined the Peace Corps. Yeah, and she's trying to have a Tupperware party with people because I thought that. That sort of sums up that attitude of like we're going to march into somewhere that's untouched by civilization and show them how we do things and try and convince them to use Tupperware. They don't need Tupperware, but whatever. And I, I thought that joke maybe it's not meant to work on that level, but it did for me. Like, I thought that was very funny.
3: I like that, and I'm actually going to come back to that when we do top secrets. Okay. Um, but as you said, there are some jokes that maybe don't work now.
1: Well, there's, there's bas- <laughs> okay. basketball jokes. I don't get. That's um, that's in. There's no danger for me to say that. That's fine. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of basketball references I uh, do not to
3: understand. To be fair, that's a that's a, so Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is in the film as a pilot. I mean, he even if you don't know basketball, he's he's super well, he's he's very famous and he was the most famous basketball star in the world at the time. He did it for a $30,000 rug. A rug? Yeah, they paid him 30,000. He, he told them I I'll, I'll do it because I want I want this rug and they thought he was joking, but no, he they paid him $30,000 so he could buy a rug. Do you think he had to show the
1: receipt? <laughs> <laughs> so
3: he wasn't scamming but, them. but interestingly, Zero Hour, that same seat on the plane, the actor was a sports star that they cast. Okay. So it's a little private in-joke for themselves. Oh, I see. Um, but I was thinking more jokes that are a bit off colour yeah, in this day and there's age. there's some
1: stuff I'm not happy with.
3: <laughs> you want to say them or let, should we just ignore them
1: well there's one joke that I find hilarious but some people might not find hilarious which is you know the married couple that are the the dual voices in the airport talking yes. about the red zone and the white yeah, zone yeah, yeah. and they start to have an argument and it's quite staid. It's quite like, you know, oh, don't you tell me what to do. And then just out of nowhere, she says, we all know what this is about. You want me to get an abortion? I thought that was hilarious. It's very funny. <laughs> yeah. um,
3: on the commentary, they say that those are the real guys from that airport. Yeah. That. I, I don't that. know if that's if it's true, true or they're joking because <laughs> yeah. uh, I can't tell with them. No. Um, I will say their commentaries are surprisingly boring. <laughs> 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 I thought they'd be really funny, but I listened to two of them this week. And, they're just uh,
1: doing it for the rug money, baby. <laughs> you know it.
3: But there's a, there's a few race jokes that. Are, uh, uh, I probably aren't funny.
1: I don't. I didn't. I don't remember finding it funny. It would have just gone over my head, and yes. I was very uncomfortable with it this time
3: round. A bestiality joke. That's not bad. Where was uh, that? She's in bed with a horse.
1: Oh yeah. That again. <laughs> I was just like, what? Okay.
3: Uh, and and uh, some breasts wobbling near some jelly.
1: Oh man. Big I fan mean, of that. Vicky? No, no. Surprisingly, not my favourite moment of this. I just. Well, I mean, let's not, uh, hey, let's get into it if you like, but are tits funny? No. They were,
3: They definitely were in they 1980. Weren't. They <laughs> definitely. Have you ever seen <laughs> Benny Hill? I, I rest just, my case.
1: It's very difficult to enjoy something when you suddenly realize that you are the butt or the tit of the joke. Like mm. I do find that a bit difficult. And I just, I think little boys think tits are funny because it arouses very conflicting emotions yeah. in them. Um, or little girls might find tits funny I don't know but I don't know a single grown woman that looks at her own boobs and is like fucking hell funny <laughs> like, just mm. no. and in the other films there are a few more moments that piss me off about it but yeah the wobbly boobs jelly. it's just oh, I don't know just tits aren't that funny bums are funny penises are funny penises are inherently funny tits are not
3: mm. that's the end of that conversation <laughs> okay <laughs> I'm not going to say I know because I've
1: got them and they're not funny so there we go
3: um, I have them, and I think they are. <laughs> yeah, <that. laughs> I need to get back to the gym. Um, <laughs> all right. So, in terms of an MVC, who are you going for this week?
1: So it's a, it's. A, I did. I really the old lady that you mentioned that hangs herself when Ted starts sharing the backstory. The look she gives him. She's only in the film for about I don't know twenty thirty seconds, and he's like, "Let me tell you a bit about myself," and she gives yes. him this look that's like, "Shut the fuck up," and she's brilliant. Um, but I do think uh, Julie Haggerty, mm. um, she sells the hell out of it. She's brilliant. Mm. Um, she plays it like, obviously very straight. They Together, they make a, a really convincingly, annoyingly cute couple. Yeah. Like they've got these big, quite stupid eyes
2: <laughs>
1: and, and they're grating together. And her voice is quite like whinnying and annoying, but on purpose. Like she's sort of, she's disappointed by her boyfriend. And she's, I don't know, she seems quite highly strung, but. Uh, I don't know. She to me that part because she's in it quite a lot. It just could have been like just grating and irritating mm. and a, and a kind of a nothing part. Um, and she didn't. You know, she did really well. So I think it's going to be Julie for me.
3: Good choice. Thanks. Um, I I would have picked um Leslie Nielsen as Doctor Rumak, who shows up after forty minutes. Um, says the most stupid things with the straightest face and launched just this incredible comedy career. Yeah, but. We're getting to him.
1: Yeah, yeah. He's
3: got his uh, mom <laughs> So I'm going for um, Lloyd Bridges, who shows yeah. up at the 45-minute <laughs> yeah. mark as air traffic controller Steve McCrowski, who picked the wrong week to give up smoking, <laughs> drinking, amphetamines and sniffing glue. <laughs> uh, his facial expressions... It's so
1: relatable. I mean, that's the thing.
3: <laughs> his uh, facial expressions are uh, so funny in this film. And uh, again, with him, it, it launched a uh, comedy career of his own. So... Uh, a big fan of his. Uh, is there anything you would change?
1: Two things, mm-hmm. uh, if that's acceptable. Well, we got
3: no Alex, so <laughs> that's true.
1: So I, you just, can have one of Alex's. I can talk and talk and talk. Um, get to the disaster a little bit quicker. So yeah. there's quite a long section about Saturday Night Fever, which yeah. I could do without.
3: Yeah, it's interesting. There, there. Are, I mean, I had a section of, of when I was doing all my notes for spoofs. Yeah, and actually, the films that have come after this that copy Airplane have more spoofs than Airplane does. Yeah. I, I only wrote down what airport obviously Jaws, Saturday Night Fever from here to eternity although they said they had never seen that. They didn't realise they were spoofing that. What, on the beach? Yeah. Okay. But um, But you're right, Saturday Night Fever it's a weirdly long one but I guess it was just so in the public consciousness at yeah. that moment they wanted something they could stick in the trailer. And, and
1: Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? Because I suppose, are you making a film not thinking, oh, in 30 years, people will look back and just be like, that's quite a long section for a film I don't really remember. Yeah. And I sp- it's quite admirable just to throw it all at the wall and be like, fuck it, who cares about that? Like, this is funny now, so we'll do it. Yeah,
3: and it was what was ever playing at universities, that yeah. in 1979. Yeah,
1: exactly. So less of that. Um, or um, it strays away from directly copying Zero Hour, but maybe might get them out of a rights fix, save them a bit of money. Um, make it a little bit more of a sinister thing going on so it's not just food poisoning. There is someone behind, like mm. uh, basically a baddie. Yeah. So give the, uh, I mean, not necessarily terrorists, but just something something a little bit more uh, untoward is happening rather than like bad fish.
3: No, you're right. And they really, really stuck closely to zero hours. So maybe, yeah, go off piste a little bit. Yeah. Uh for me it's Steven Stucker as Johnny.
1: Oh yeah, no that's no good. I that wiped that from my mind. Yeah, it's... so he's
3: he's a he's sort of the camp guy in the air traffic control tower. And he has some funny moments, but it's interesting uh on the commentary they said that they they shot a lot of his scenes um on their own so they could be eliminated. They wow. could take them all out because they weren't sure about him. They'd worked with him a lot. They liked him, but they weren't sure if it worked. But it got big laughs, so really? they, they kept him in. But way too many of his jokes fall flat.
1: The jokes aren't good. No. And what are we saying? Like, oh, his camp. Ha, ha, ha. Like, mm. it just is, no, enough.
3: Dated. And anything you learn, any trivia that um we haven't gone over on this one?
1: Let me just have a quick flip yeah. through my, oh, wait. No.
3: Okay. i got a couple of things. <laughs> um, I like the fact that they, uh, they asked Elmer Bernstein, a very famous um, musician, to write the music. And they told him, we don't want a good score. Okay. <laughs> we want a bad B-movie score. And the score is fantastic. Yeah. It really works so well for the film. Um, Bruce Jenner screen tested oh, really? for the film. <laughs> really? And I'll, I'll post this on our Twitter because I, I watched it when I was um, doing my research. But uh, they're friends with David Letterman. And they got David Letterman to screen test for it, even though he didn't want to. And just when he was starting out his chat show career in 1980 on 81, they went on it and they brought the screen test and showed it. You can see his screen test. He is terrible. He's (laughs) dying of embarrassment. Um, But it's also funny interview because every time they cut to a break and come back, uh, I only clocked it at the end, they've all changed jackets each time, all the way through, the, the Zucker, Zucker, Abrams and Letterman. Oh, okay. They keep changing appearance all the way through.
1: God, they've got a lot of energy, haven't they? Who could be fucking bothered? <laughs> <laughs> Give it a rest.
3: Um, the Directors Guild of America didn't want them to have three directors on the film. They right. didn't allow that. And so one of the brothers uh, legally changed his name to Abraham Zuckers <laughs> to have that put on the, the film. And then they relented. But by that point, he'd done it. Um, there's an FBI joke message in the credits at the end. The FBI got in touch with them and asked them to take it off. Yeah. Uh, and they couldn't, it was too late. So they nearly got done by the FBI.
1: What does the, what's the message?
3: Oh, it's just, you know, there's an FBI warning at the end of every film in America about not copying it. Not, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They just took the piss out of that. Oh, okay. Uh, and finally, yeah. The, so there's a sequel airplane Two. None of them are involved. Yeah. Because, um, They said they'd done all the airplane jokes they could think of. (laughs)
1: Which is, I suppose, fair. And
3: to this day, they've never seen it.
1: Have they not? That's a lie. (laughs) People always say stuff like that.
3: How are you feeling? Um, I'm exhausted.
1: I should get you a towel to put around your neck and then what else? Slap your face? Is that right? No, what do they do? What do I see, I don't know sports. What do boxing coaches do? They
3: slap that woman's face in an airplane.
1: Oh, oh, God, yeah. I forgot I fucking hated that bit. Yeah, That's Leslie
3: Nielsen gives her the double slap.
1: Yeah, nice. <laughs> nice touch. You crazy bitch. No, no thanks.
3: All right, I need to do my intro for Top Secret. Okay. um, A film that Roger Eber, in his review, said to describe the plot would be an exercise in futility. Mm -hmm. But um, you said I've not done much work. Uh, (laughs) I found a scene in the film where uh, Val Kilmer, Says the plot of the film as Nick Rivers So we're going to play that You lazy bastard
4: I'm not the first guy who fell in love with a girl he met in a restaurant Who then turned out to be the daughter of a kidnapped scientist Only to lose her to a childhood lover Who she'd last seen on a deserted island And who turned out 15 years later to be the leader of the French underground
2: I know it It all sounds like some bad movie
4: do we need
1: to say anything more about oh, Top Secret? I'm shaking my head. I did not like this.
3: Okay. So uh, was this the first watch of Top Secret I for you? I
1: never even heard of it.
3: No. Never heard of it. No. it was there, but it was there. There's two hits we're talking about this week, uh, but in the middle, this was a big flop for the, yeah. the and guys.
1: I, I did read that after Airplane, they could do no wrong. You know, the shooter's like, you can make whatever you want, go for it, pitch me something. And they just couldn't quite get something away. So, didn't they then make the police squad TV series?
3: Yes, which was again a huge flop. That was yeah. cancelled before they even finished uh, airing all yeah. six episodes. Which is crazy. Yeah. Um,
1: but then they come up with somehow top. They wanted to do a World War II film. They wanted to do an Elvis movie. Mm. So they just sort of smashed them together and got another writer in to sort of help them elevate it or take like take it out of the room from like a just a mishmash of ideas. But I uh, mean, fucking hell, come on, like if it not had Val Kilmer in it, I was about to message you to say I would be turning this shit off after 10 minutes. And I don't, you know, I haven't felt like that about a film the you suggested. Some shocking films, but I just didn't get it. I just, there's no, like, you do, you need a plot to hang this stuff. You can throw jokes at the wall, fine. And I, I do hate quite a lot of the jokes, but it wasn't that that was putting me off. It was just, what am I watching? Like, yeah.
3: And, and uh, I listened to the sort of, 30 years later, the commentary that they'd recorded, and they are very regretful about this film. Uh, they talk about the fact that they had no real storytelling skills. They were just trying to tie scenes together. Uh, they said that combining the Elvis movie with the spy movie with the World War II movie is, is what sunk the film, that it didn't have an ending, it didn't have characters you care about. (laughs) Um, But I'll give you an example of like the opening, uh, a very early sequence is uh, the Skeet Surfing song, um, which... They tell this story on Letterman in 1980, four years before. So when they were doing press for Airplane, they would get bored in interviews and they were at the Deauville Film Festival and they challenged each other to see who could get the biggest lie in print. Okay. And one of them convinced a journalist that the biggest sport in America was skeet surfing, which was... (laughs) you know people firing guns while they're on surfboards That's now funny. that might be funny in 1980 it to get funny. in a newspaper yeah but they did Don't a whole sequence a around it. it
1: no there's a lesson yeah on <laughs> the
3: on funny. the beaches of LA yeah
1: tricking journalists is funny
3: <laughs> it wasn't LA they shot that in Newquay <laughs>
1: Yeah, the whole film's so Is that right why it looks so miserable? Yes. I did wonder. I was like, oh, that beach is so great. Look at the water. Like, I thought it was meant to be nice over there. Uh,
3: sorry to the people of Newquay. No, of course. Uh, I'm
1: sure it's lovely. Um, we're not going to go there, so it's fine.
3: I mean, there is a convoluted plot, but it just doesn't really work and you don't really care about it. So, uh, Val Kilmer, in his very first uh, screen role, plays uh, an Elvis like uh, rock and roll star called Nick Rivers. And he's accidentally invited to East Germany to an East German culture festival that the Germans are putting on as a diversion tactic. Because at the same time, they're planning to perform a military operation to reunite Germany.
2: Oh,
1: yeah, but you don't really find out what that is, do you? No,
3: no. They've got Dr. Flamond they've kidnapped, who's a scientist. Oh,
1: yeah. sorry, he's going to set off a mine. It's actually quite technical. He's going to set off a big mine in the Gibraltar Straits to bomb all of NATO's... Things? yeah
3: he's built he's built a super magnet to attract the nato submarine fleet
1: that's correct to
3: their uh
1: <laughs> something
3: to their magnets <laughs> uh, and then but there's also the resistance the the other bit of the plot is there's yeah. the resistance are hard at work trying to stop this and there's a traitor in the resistance but the
1: resistance are all French, but we're talking about a plot to reunite reunify Germany mm. but the resistance are all french yes yep Okay, fine. I just wanted to make sure I had it misunderstood.
3: So that's the plot. I mean, it's an excuse for Val Kilmer to sing. Yeah, which is good. And dance. Uh huh. He's good at both those things, he's isn't good at he? Both. He's
1: a triple threat. He's he's good at all.
3: I'd of always it. thought it sounded like him singing, but I was never sure. And yeah, he sings. He him? sings every yeah. song. Yeah, yeah. He uh, he really wanted the role. He came in for his audition dressed as Elvis, and and he had all the dance moves down. And they um. They could not cast which, which is interesting because he's barely done comedy since. Mm. Real genius, not long after. MacGruber is fantastic from about 10 years ago, but he became Mr. Serious actor and Mr. Asshole by all accounts. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, I'm offending another actor.
1: <laughs> get it off your <laughs> chest? It's okay, ask me if I've interviewed them. Let's see how that goes. <laughs>
3: uh, but that's, that's it in terms of plot, really. But how about uh, jokes in this one?
1: So what I've done is I've written down things alike things I fucking hated uh, which all kind of revolve around jokes so things I liked the Swedish bookstore bit with Peter Cushing yeah explain
3: that a little bit so
1: the as part of the plot such as it is Mm. um, in the middle of Germany somewhere uh, the hero and heroine have to go to a Swedish bookstore now it's quite offensive if you're Swedish but what they do is they filmed it um, backwards filmed it forwards played it backwards to, to give that sort of loopy sound effect to the language that they're using and make it sound like what an American thinks Swedish people sound yes. like, which is quite rude, but is also very funny and technically looks quite impressive. And there's sort of.
3: Yeah, I mean, it did it a long time before David Lynch did it in Twin Peaks.
1: Yeah, and there's this weird. Peter Kushner's got this huge magnified eye, and it's... that's just all really strange, but it's sort of like jolted me out of quite a shit film into something a bit better. Well, a
3: lot of the jokes in this film specifically are to do with perspective and depth perception. So you've got that. You've got moving train platforms. The
1: giant telephone. That's Yeah,
3: fake feet on desk. The the magic jail cell. um, The grenade. The giant wristwatch. The empty boots. Like, there's a lot of things that are quite clever. Yeah. But after a few of them, I think I stopped laughing. You've had
1: enough, yeah. And the the underwater bar fight, I thought that was brilliant. Because why not? Like, it's fun. Uh, It looks technically very accomplished. Yeah, and those are two things I liked.
3: Mm. It's funny. That's what they say on the commentary then those were the only two things they really got right yeah, in the film. Yeah, uh, <laughs>
1: things are hated. The East German Just, Olympic sorry. women team.
3: Okay, yeah, that's that's I was that was in my uh, yeah. That's bad, isn't that's it?
1: Dodgy as as you like. Not keen on that. Just the constant reference to tits. Once again, um, Hillary. My name means she whose boobs defy gravity. Give it a rest. On the beach in Newquay, a girl like gets up from the sand, and her boobs are put massive indentations in the beach. Fuck's sake!
3: That's definitely not funny. <laughs> if, Alex, if Alex was here, he definitely wouldn't be laughing. It's right not now. funny
1: when Hillary uh, is reunited with Val, Hillary, being the name of the heroine. When she's reunited with Val Kilmer at the end, and her tits glow up. Not funny. Or, oh, I know this is a thing that that's
3: you're... an that feels like an ET tribute. <laughs> Did you not think that I, was, I wrote down ET?
1: I just didn't like it. No. It's the same thing that your friend Kim says. It's not fair. Like there needs to be parity. Like we don't see enough balls or enough anything else of a man.
3: I think no. I think there are a quite a few penis jokes.
1: Do you see penises?
3: Um, c- n- t- the ballet scene. Oh yeah, there's quite she, a lot of hard, there's quite a them. lot of hard-ons in the ballet <laughs> scene. Long. There's about twelve.
1: Oh my god, I completely forgot. Yeah, she uses them as like a stepping stone, doesn't she?
3: That's quite funny.
1: Um, But my favourite joke, so when Val Kilmer manages to get himself in prison and his manager Martin comes to see him and Martin is sad because he can't bring his wife to orgasm. So Val Kilmer gives him this huge, I didn't like this bit of the joke, but this huge machine called the Anal Invader. I don't think that's very funny, but it then kills Martin and the person that reveals this to Val Kilmer says it took the doctors two hours to remove the smile from his face. That's funny. You like that? I like that.
3: <laughs> all right. Some of my some of my favorite jokes. Uh, when I was a kid, I definitely loved. Um, wait, you forgot your funny dog poop? What funny dog poop?
1: No, it's not funny. Yeah,
3: but to a kid, it is, and yeah, that's what they see. That's I think.
1: That's, are they making kids' films?
3: I, well, I think they're trying to make a film to make everyone laugh. It's yeah. just weird that I was six years old watching this with all the sex jokes in it, the yeah. anal intruder and stuff. So it's. But I didn't care. I mean,
1: you just that you just wouldn't have noticed. You would have been an innocent child.
3: I knew something was up. <laughs> Everyone <laughs> um, went very quiet in the room. <laughs> uh, so I, uh, I like what? I? Oh, I like the Zimmer frame firing squad phone yep, joke. I, I, I think that's a good reveal. Um I quite like Omar Sharif in his cameo as a tiny car. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so- yeah, but then. She says to him, oh, my trapped in a yes, tiny car. He yep. needs to reach a ticket that's in the glove compartment. So Hillary has to lean over him. Then he's like, oh, there's boobies in my face. Laugh, laugh, laugh. Not funny.
3: But um, I think my favourite joke, and it's a bad one, is when uh she says, I know a little German. Oh, God. And then he's sitting over there and it's a little guy waving a lederhosen. I find that
1: I'm not funny, And sorry. it comes back a little
3: bit later when the singing horse, he says... Uh, he caught a cold the other day and he's just a little horse.
1: It just reminds me of, of, you know, when you have like a family party and your uncles and your granddad are doing like one-upmanship shit jokes. That's what it's like. I'm presumably they, maybe my family nicked it all from Zaz. I don't know. But that's what it feels It feels like I'm trapped at a family celebration. I'm too young to drink. And all the men in the room are like, just a little horse. Rip, rip, rip. And I just, I can't bear it.
3: Oh. Sorry. That's literally my sense of humour, so <laughs> we might have an issue.
1: Well, you'd be fine. You could be the patriarch of this family in the future <laughs> and hold court and torture your relatives with this nonsense. Yeah, I really do. Something um, to look forward to, yeah.
3: So who is your favourite character, MVC?
1: Uh, I'm going to say, MC? you know, so Val Kilmer, as Nick Rivers, performs a concert in Germany. And all the teen girls in the audience are losing their minds but they're all really good at doing that sort of teen mania Beatle mania thing where they're like pulling their hair and screaming and sweating and crying and he picks he's a little bit dodgy he picks a girl to get up on stage and he's like I will shag you forever or whatever he's singing to her. She's it. a little
3: bit too young isn't he she the one does does that
1: he's 200% picked She 100% is 12 yep. which is very very worrying but as an actor, she's incredible. She slays that scene. She steals it from Val Kilmer, like yeah. right out of his hands. Cause she just does this, she can't cope, And then she like buries her head in his chest, but then he's like, Oh my god, I'm touching him. And he, you know, it's just a weirdly long scene, but she is a star.
3: Yeah. Yeah, I <laughs> quite agree. Um, which is weird. Uh, <laughs> I, I I'm going for um, Nick Rivers because uh, they actually apologised for giving him no real personality or no story arc yeah. throughout the film. And they there was apparently quite a lot of tension with Val Kilmer on set, because even though it was his first film, I think some days he was pissed off with the fact that this guy was nothing, really.
1: That's troubling, isn't it? Because even if it's your first film, and you can tell there's something wrong. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there must be something sort of very yeah.
3: obviously wrong. Although he says that in, to this day, it's well, maybe the film he gets most comments about. People coming up to him quoting it because there okay. a cult has built up around it. Yeah. But I like how his arrogance slash ignorance is a good metaphor for America's attitude to the rest of the world, and yeah, maybe even nice. America's foreign policy. Definitely. Like you said, with the Tupperware.
1: Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. This kind, kind of, nice of just an
3: expectation that he's going to be treated Locken, like a god. Cause yeah. He's popular back home, Um, and I do like the fact that that the song, the Elvis spoofs, are actually pretty good. Yeah, they are. I mean, half the songs they've they've actually used Elvis and Beach Boys songs, but the other half they've they've written themselves, and uh, they really work. Um, Okay, so what would you uh, change, or dare I ask this question? Well, you
1: don't need to ask me. You can ask Zaz directly. Mm. I'm going to quote from them here because this is my change. Part of the problem of doing a second movie after a big hit, everybody says you must know what to do. And the fact is, we didn't. We knew how to tell jokes, but we didn't understand yet how to make a movie. I don't know why nobody said, hey, take a structure course. That's my change. Take a fucking structure course and then write this film.
3: Yeah, I, they brought a guy on board. There was a fourth guy that helped them write this who they literally brought on board. To, and they said to him, give a story, give us structure, give us plot. So what was he bloody doing?
1: Well, this he tricked them, essentially because they didn't know what it was. So he's like, "What's well, in there?" And so if you can't see it, that's on you. And there is a lot of plot. There's a lot of plot. That's fair. Yeah, a um, lot of things going on.
3: But you don't really care about any of it. And no. and as 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 they said, and some of the reviews I've read said as well. Uh, and it's the thing I would change is give the film a proper ending, because yeah. the ending is actually that underwater brawl. Yeah. Which is a, which is a good visual joke, but it doesn't build to anything they they come up and you're waiting for the next sequence it's like oh no they say goodbye on a plane and that's it it's all over
1: yeah that's strange isn't it
3: uh very strange um but equally how can we criticize a film too much that has a character called deja vu whose first line is have we met before sir
1: (laughs) that is funny see you do like those jokes (laughs) yeah i do like that (laughs) i do it's a very conflicting experience
3: so is there any um trivia or interesting things you learned along the way about this film or did it just teach you to <laughs> never watch it again?
1: I will never, ever, ever watch it again.
3: See, I will. It's been with me. There's a. I think there's a lot of nostalgia attached to these films, watching them all three in a row in the space of 24 hours, yeah, I which is quite it's hardcore. Probably,
1: it's probably harsh to watch it with fresh eyes because it isn't great. And if you've got no... um sense of nostalgia
3: mm. attached
1: to it it's really fucking
3: awful I was probably eight years old when I first watched this yeah. when it was first on the telly in probably 1986 and, and I, I really really laughed
1: yeah and I you know there's films I like from the 80s that aren't great because I watched them in the 80s and you're allowed to take the piss out of me for them so it's okay
3: um, I didn't say you could take the piss out of me
1: <laughs> oh sorry <laughs>
3: uh, it's Weird Al Jankovic's favourite film
1: good don't care.
3: <laughs> um, and uh, something I learned anew this time around is lots of the German in the film is actually Yiddish.
1: Is it? Yeah, which I think oh, is quite funny. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Okay, we are moving on to our third and final film of the week. Victoria, take it away.
1: I watched 1998's Naked Gun, the third offering from Zaz and a real departure in tone. It's a thoughtful examination of friendship in the line of duty, love at first sight and the diplomatic sensitivities stemming from the U.S. declaration of independence and the ensuing rejection of a centuries-old monarchical tradition. Kidding! There's loads of funny boobies. The end. No, I'm being mean. You know how I say this. just anything for a joke. <laughs> anything for a joke. Um, I um, this is the, fir- the of the three. This is the one that I'm most familiar with. Okay. Um, I've seen it more times than I, you know, than the others. And it was the one that I most remember at school just like going nuts and everyone yeah. would quote it constantly so I do have a lot of love for this film I have to be honest and say that having watched it for the first time in at least 10 years I didn't laugh as much as I thought I was going to
3: mm, I had exactly the same experience yeah. and
1: it maybe it's because the jokes are so everyday com- like in such common parlance like you know move along here nothing to see we all say that all the time and you sort of forget where it's come from and then you see it again and it's like oh just doesn't make me laugh because I've heard it so many times mm.
3: So I I can remember being so excited about this film, though, because I'd had Airplane and Top Secret on video since they came out, watched them lots. And so this was the first one I knew was coming because I remember watching Film 88 with Barry Norman. (laughs) And at the end, he would show a clip of a forthcoming film. And I remember one week he showed the scene where Frank Drabin, played by Leslie Nielsen, does those acrobatic flips around a room for no reason that he's staking out or searching. Okay. And... I pissed myself. And so I then had to wait maybe a year to see it because I was too young to see it in the cinema. I was 10 when this came out. And so waiting for that video was uh, painful. But yeah, I mean, like you, I watch this a lot on video. Yeah, and
1: I know it's considered to be one of the funniest films of all time. And I, and they don't make them like this anymore. And I was, I've was i been having a word with myself to think, why do I not find it as funny? and. So I'd be interested to hear what you think about this. Is it because in mm. the intervening years animation has come along and done this sort of thing better? So where I go to get my comedy like this would be uh, Family Guy, American Dad, The Simpsons, because animation can obviously take it as far as it wants to go, and you can completely suspend disbelief because it's mm. animation. Because why do they not make him like this anymore? Is it and, or is it just because of Leslie Nielsen? Because he's, you know, you when you think of it, you he's so strongly associated with that deadpan delivery and maybe there's no one else that could do it as well as he did it.
3: Well they've been talking about doing a reboot of it. Have you seen this um starring Ed Helms?
1: I read about it, yeah. but it didn't make me feel excited.
3: No, and 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 the criticism that was leveled at that was well you're missing the point, Leslie Nielsen is the straight man. Ed yeah. Helms is a comedy actor and, yeah. and 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 I mean I don't know if that's fair criticism to level at it but I don't know, I just with this film specifically, I just feel like it really runs out of steam. Yeah. When when we get to the baseball oh match, which there's still That's about like half an hour left.
1: Ten minutes of baseball jokes that I yeah. don't get. Yeah. Like ten minutes out of a ninety minute running time is substantial.
3: Yeah, but I, I feel like I get about 75 percent of those jokes and I'm I'm still not laughing. Not laughing. <laughs> uh do you want to talk a little bit about the plot?
1: Yes, yeah, so Leslie Nielsen plays Frank Drebin. Um from Police Squad, and he undercovers a plot to murder our queen, which, again, people at school loved that, because it's like, throwing it back to you, UK. Um, And it involves hypnotised assassins, so he has to stop this plot, as well as uncovering who's responsible for the attempted murder of his best friend, played by OJ Simpson. And both of these plot points bring him into the path of rich and sinister businessman uh, Vincent Ludwig and someone I'm going to call Sexy Jane, played by or endured by Priscilla Presley. Um, And that's it. So we meet him. He's breaking up a fight between Yasser Arafat, Mikhail Gorbachev, Colonel Gaddafi, some other enemies of the US. Uh,
3: Almost all of which are dead now, Mm. which was enjoyable.
1: But the good old US of A is still standing. (laughs) Um, No, Leslie
3: Nilsson's dead.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That establishes he's a patriot. He's very effective, strangely, Mm. at his job. Knows the power of a well-timed eyebrow raise. See also Roger Moore. And that we are here for laughs. Um, but yeah, it but does have a very... That's what's good about it, is it's a detective story, it's a gumshoe story, and that's what elevates it above Top Secret, for instance, because if you like that kind of story, you do get some payoff. Like, there is a mystery to uncover, apart from it does kind of unravel when you get onto the baseball field. And it's just bleh. Um, But yeah, you're following Frank as he tries to uncover mm. who's going to kill the Queen and why. It's actually never... Why is... Ricardo Montalbán. Why is he going to kill the queen? Because he was told to. It makes no sense.
3: I can't remember. Really, it's know. not. Oh yeah, I don't know. It's just. He it just is. Um, and it, but as we said, um, Frank Drebin was the main character in Police Squad, which was a huge flop when it when it was on. The t- it never even screened in the UK until after Naked Gun. They didn't even bother bringing it over because it just did. They believed it just did not work on television. But it's interesting that the 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 the, the um the brothers and Abrahams had the balls to stick with it. Yeah. You know, they, they knew they were onto a good thing with Leslie Nielsen as this character yeah. and brought him back. And, and, and lo and behold, they ended up making, making three of these films. But um, I think, as you say, you know, Drebin is such a good character that you can stick him in any situation. Yeah. And comedy will come around. Whereas Ted Stryker is not the same. You know, Ted Stryker was very specific to that story in Airplane. Um, so I think that's part of what makes uh, this film work. So, yeah, enough about the stupid plot. What about the jokes? <laughs> what about the jokes? Uh, some favourite jokes or do you just have one specific one? I've
1: got a few. So, And this makes me really laugh. Um, and I don't know why it makes me laugh so much. But when Priscilla Presley and um, Leslie Nielsen are getting together she and she's sort of instructed to do it by her boss, she turns up at his apartment and she's just wearing one of his shirts, sort of in a sultry way. Yeah, it's quite sultry. And she's boiling up some meat. That's weird.
3: It's fatal attraction, isn't it? That she's oh,
1: because of the pan, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's how and she's and dressed the shirt. And yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. But she says to him, um, "It's so funny." She says, "You're late," and he just says, it depends what I'm late for.
3: <laughs> Sorry,
1: see, oh. it so really makes me laugh. Well, that depends what I'm late for. <laughs> 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 that, is, you that's, not, that you really that's like that joke? A good joke? Do you not think that's great? No. Really? I mean, it's all right. Oh, it's fucking brilliant. Um, and then when the, is it the commissioner, like Frank's boss, the police yep. boss, she's firing his ass because he can't be trusted because it's it's got a good structure. You know, it's your second act law point. Like he loses everything, his job, his woman, da, da, da. And she's saying, you know, I can't trust you. And she reminds him of a time where he disrupted... A, a live play in the park and it was a staging of Julius Caesar and he was shooting people like thinking they were up to no good. She says, you killed five actors, good ones. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> And that that's to me, that's just craft. Like you can write the joke, you kill five actors, that's the end of the joke, but you go back to it and you add good ones <laughs> and then it's just next level. That's so Those are my two favourite jokes.
3: How did you feel about a Nice Beaver?
1: I don't like it. <laughs> mm, I like that one a lot when I was a kid. <laughs> Obviously. But that's the thing. When I was... Nine, probably I did think that was, if I got it at all, I would have thought it was funny. But, you know, you look at it with a bit of distance and it just isn't, it just isn't funny to feel like you're being taken the piss out of, basically. Not me directly, but you know what I mean. No,
3: but it's an actual beaver. He's not I talking know, about her vagina.
1: <laughs> I, know. I did watch. She,
3: she handed it to him and says, yeah, I just had it stuffed. So I'm... it wasn't, it actually wasn't her vagina.
1: Okay, so you, that joke for you works on a literal level. <laughs> <laughs> is that what you're saying? Because I don't think it is.
3: <laughs> um, I'm going to do one for Alex, actually, because after I picked these films last week, he was saying to me uh, that he likes when uh, Frank says to Al, you've got something in your mouth. And he says, no, the other side and a giant bit of banana falls down on the desk. <laughs> which, I, no, joke. I like that joke and I, Alex liked that one as well. <laughs> really um, when I was younger, I liked it when they came out of Platoon laughing. <laughs> that made me laugh.
1: <laughs> the um, whole montage where they're falling in love. Yeah. Is... That,
3: that was one of my favourite uh, sequences when I was younger. I, uh, you know, uh, even though the baseball scene goes on for too long when they're showing the the bloopers, I like it when the guy gets mauled by the tiger and another guy's yeah. head comes off. <laughs> um one joke made me think of a story from my own life.
1: Okay, interesting. Um,
3: when he leaves uh, the microphone on, Frank Drebin does when he goes for a wee and everyone in the auditorium can hear him weeing.
1: Please tell me you've done that. No. Okay.
3: But I was, now I've got to word this carefully. I was interviewing someone on stage and backstage we were given microphones and we were told they weren't switched on Yeah, Or maybe not, that wasn't brought up. And the person right. I was interviewing started telling me about someone he was close to who was very big in Hollywood writing scripts and he was slagging off 20th Century Fox and this film. And he went on one and then someone came running in and said, all 500 people out there hearing everything you're saying. And that was bad.
1: Go for a wee to cover up the noise (laughs) (laughs) of you slagging off a studio.
3: That was really bad. Um... But I'm just going to say this as it feels good to say. it. I like it when it basically looks like they've killed O.J. Simpson at the end.
1: Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard, isn't Cause it? Because it's a
3: funny. It's a funny joke. Yeah. And then in hindsight, good.
1: Mm, it's really difficult to watch, given um <laughs> everything the all the water under the bridge since then.
3: Yeah. Well, I feel sorry for the um, woman who plays his wife in this. Yeah. And do you want to know a fun fact?
1: Of course, I do. Uh,
3: she plays a juror in the People versus O.J. Simpson. No, yeah,
1: no, that blew way. my mind. That's amazing. So she was
3: able to tell them all what he was like. Yeah, because she worked with him which she's as not, his wife.
1: She's not really supposed to do. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
3: she played a juror. Let's see not what you've yet. done. there. Uh, very good. Like it. Um. Uh, so, all right, favorite uh, character.
1: Vincent Ludwig, as played by um, Ricardo Montalban. Um,
3: Oh, I like the way you say that. Thanks.
1: I tried really hard. I don't know if that's. um,
3: I think it's Montalban.
1: Montalban, if he would like that. He, you know. Khan! (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Hello, Khan. Brilliant. The way, you know, he has such class. The man has such class. The way he talks about a Japanese fighting fish and this pen, and then and the way he talks about money, even though it's quite gaudy to talk about money, like this was worth twenty thousand dollars, you're just like, wow, I was transfixed. Obviously, he's very seedy, and his um, as an employer, there are some issues there in the way he treats uh, Jane. But hey, you know, fuck it, who cares? He's like, he's just smooth, super classy. Loved him.
3: Yeah, he's fantastic. Um. I am going to go for Leslie Nielsen as yes. Frank Trebbin. He
1: works his ass off.
3: Yeah, and he's he's so good at this. I would have picked him for Airplane, but I knew he was coming up here. Although it he is kind of in a grand tradition, even uh, at this time. Like, he's just after Inspector Clouseau. Yeah. And it is, I didn't really, this first time I really analysed it, how similar it really is to Inspector Clouseau. And I don't know who I find funnier, mm. probably Inspector Clouseau. And then I've never watched them, but just before Johnny English. So, this is a tradition that's kind of.
1: Yeah, I've seen Johnny English, but not, you know, not in any way, not focus, Like it was, I sound like Alex, it was on in a room that I walked into. Yeah. Um, and then I stayed in that room, but didn't quite absorb it. I would
3: imagine if we were kids when Johnny English came out, we would have found well, I'm it very sure funny. We think it was
1: fucking hilarious. You know, yeah. in a
3: way that maybe I don't find Mr. Bean funny, but Johnny English, yeah. I think I probably. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I mean, it launched a, a real. It helped launch the career for, for Leslie Nielsen that the airplane began. And. Um, he made a lot of crap spoofs after this. Yeah. I think it's re- it's a real shame he did he did you know he did the Dracula one with Mel Brooks that was bad. He did a really bad Exorcist one, but um, you know Frank Drebin is one of the all time great yes. movie characters. I do think. Um, all right, anything you would change?
1: Very quickly, less baseball, more Montalban. Just more of him, please, yeah. um, and not as much time. Even though he's there in that scene, he doesn't do anything apart from go. Oh my goodness, so. yeah.
3: I mean I was making a list of of off-color jokes um for all these films and actually I found with this one very few.
1: Yeah, I was surprised. I was really nervous. Yeah,
3: and actually I was like, I'm
1: just going to have I'm just going to fucking hate it. There's going to be too much things that piss me off and there wasn't it's fine. You know, it's basically fine. It doesn't you know the stuff that it when it veers toward the, like the beaver joke is obviously fine and it it doesn't go too much further than that. So yeah. it's it's okay for me. Um you know, is it? Weird? And it's whether or not you feel like, hey, this is you know, interested to hear. Does a concrete dildo balance out tit jokes? And that you know, it's an interesting conversation to have in a pub type setting. Maybe not publicly.
3: A pub is public.
1: No, but like privately. Okay. Yeah, like not like standing on the bar saying, "Hey, everyone, <laughs> <laughs> quick show of hands, quick show of dildos. Is this all right?"
3: I mean, my change is very obvious. Um. I would replace OJ Simpson mm-hmm. because it is... I mean, everything he was in is now uncomfortable to watch yeah. because he did murder his wife and another man. So, uh, yeah, get rid. Um, any fun trivia? Anything I learned you learned? Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. i learned oh, one thing. Wait,
1: I'll shake my papers. Do it. Leslie Nielsen had the naked gun theme at his funeral.
3: Oh, I learned something. Yes, bless.
1: that's it. That's all I learned. Bless. Is it not true?
3: Did you like watching interviews that he would do back in the day? Do you remember what he would do on an interview? No. He had a fart machine.
1: Oh, right. Okay. <laughs> and it's
3: funny. I saw, I found the, the first time he used it, which was on, I think it's Letterman. And he's laughing whenever he does it. So he hasn't figured out how to do it yet. He's doing the fart machine. He's making himself laugh. It doesn't work. But 15 years later, when he's on Mogan... Dead straight. Nailed Dead it. Dead straight. These <laughs> fart sounds just coming out. It's, just, it's brilliant. Never cease to make me laugh. Um, this film had a cameo from uh, an actor that we like on this podcast. Uh, Mr. John Houseman.
1: Oh, yeah. As the, the driving instructor. Exactly. He's really good. Of
3: of the fog fame uh, for people who've been paying attention.
1: And Stephanie is the, the, the girl learning to drive. She's called Stephanie. She's brilliant.
3: Yep. Yep. Um, Jeanette Charles. Do you know who she is? No. She plays uh, the queen in this film. Oh yeah, she plays. She's played the queen twenty eight times.
1: Well, when you look like the queen,
3: uh, she's in Austin Powers. She's in National Lampoon's European Vacation. She's in Sooty, and she was in Big Brother's Little Brother.
1: Was she? Well, in the house? No, she wasn't in the Big Brother house. Just right, sure, episode. yeah,
3: okay. <laughs> um, and this is one of three films from 1988 mm-hmm. in which someone gets run over by a steamroller. Three really famous films. So you've got Naked Gun one. What are the other two? You've definitely seen them both.
1: Really? Yeah.
3: Really big. Both comedies.
1: Oh, man. One a
3: kid's film. One an adult film.
1: Uh, Roadrunner. No.
3: 1988. Do you give up?
1: Yeah, yeah, I do.
3: A Fish Called Wonder.
1: Oh, okay.
3: And Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Oh,
1: shit. That's annoying.
3: But isn't that weird? Like three films in one year.
1: Yeah, that is weird. Because I don't know
3: any other films where someone gets run over by a steamroller.
1: No. You have you ever seen a steamroller in real life? Yeah. No, I've, I don't think I have. Have I? I oh my God, don't know. Don't care. Bloody don't matter. Egg, Sorry. You, you had to
3: go with me in the last episode of being boring. Sorry, I no. Have you ever seen a steamroller in real life?
1: <laughs> seen a steamroller. Let's talk about pigeons. Sorry. <laughs>
3: <laughs> All right. Before we get to the conclusion... Uh, I have written a brief quiz. Um, it's not going to work as well with one person.
1: <laughs> that's because you're so competitive, but it works for me. It's fine. It's the journey, sure. not the destination.
3: And Alex can play it from home. Oh, that's sweet. Yeah, if he's listening. So I think he should tell us next week um, how well he actually did compared to you.
1: Well, I'm quite nervous, actually.
3: Okay. Uh, I am going to read out an IMDb synopsis right. of a spoof. You the... just need to tell me the name of the spoof.
1: Not the, Okay, so not the source... But the, the film that you're talking about, I've got to identify what the film is. Yes. Okay. Okay. Okay.
3: In order to ruin a Western town, a corrupt politician appoints a black sheriff who promptly becomes his most formidable adversary. I don't know. From 1974.
1: I definitely don't know.
3: Blazing Saddle. Oh,
1: shit. <laughs> you do know. I do know. Okay. <laughs> oh, no, I'm sweating now. I'm really nervous. This is going to expose. Anyway, carry on.
3: So that's a zero. Shut up. (laughs) I think Alex probably got that. I think he might have done, yeah. Uh, A brain surgeon marries a femme fatale, causing his life to turn upside down. Things go more awry when he falls in love with a talking brain.
1: Oh, I do know this.
3: 1983.
1: Mm, No, I don't know it.
3: The man with two brains. Oh, no, I don't know that. Steve Martin.
1: No. Oh, it's
3: good. Uh, Okay. Six guests are anonymously invited to a strange mansion for dinner. (laughs) But after their host is killed, they must cooperate with the staff to identify the murderer as the bodies pile up.
1: Well, that's 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 lots of things, isn't it? Um...
3: But this is a spoof. <laughs> uh, uh, and I'm going to give you an extra clue. It stars Tim Curry.
1: Oh, um... I know you said something. No, just tell me. Just tell me. Clue. Oh, shut up.
3: No, it's my
1: quiz. I've got to keep <laughs> speaking. I'm just so bad. I would have taken
3: Cluedo, to be honest.
1: And of course you would.
3: Uh, as we're in England. All right. Come on. <laughs> now, come on. Please listen. Oh, Please God. concentrate.
1: This is so awful for me. A
3: talented but unstable fighter pilot must overcome the ghost of his father <laughs> and save a mission sabotaged by greedy weapons manufacturers.
1: Hot shots. Yay! Yes! Yay! Yes! Thank God.
3: Uh,. A 1960s secret agent is brought out of cryo-freeze to oppose his greatest enemy in the 1990s, where his social attitudes are glaringly out of place.
1: Is that the Sherlock thing that we talked about? No, that's not a spoof. Sorry, carry on. Don't
3: know. Austin Powers. Oh, fuck's
1: sake! It's not literally do know. It's the description. It's I find it hard.
3: A 1960s secret agent yep. is brought yep. out of cryo-freeze. Yep. Yep
1: yep, 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 yep,
3: yep. Sorry if that was too vague. <laughs>
1: <laughs> In hell. All
3: right, final one. Oh, final one.
1: God. All right. A
3: year after disposing of the body of a man, they accidentally killed a group of dumb teenagers <laughs> are stalked by a bumbling serial killer. Scary movie. Yes. Oh, so that was uh, no. two out of
1: six. I mean, look, that's not my um, greatest ever quiz performance.
3: No. And you had the stage to yourself as well. You didn't have Alex interrupting.
1: I'm a people person and I see him reaching for the title and then I try and get there before him. All
3: right, we are going to go to our conclusion. Okay. The conclusion of the podcast, Victoria.
1: Is this the final one ever? Does Alex know? <laughs> oh my
3: God. It might be. <laughs> yeah. um, which of these films did it better?
1: I have to say, uh, based on quite sort of simplistic criteria, such as like what made me laugh more? What do I feel more? Like, Is this too harsh to say? Like, what did I feel most comfortable watching that, you know, didn't upset me too much or just make me think Ugh, too much? Uh, what would I watch again? What do I find more quotable? All the rest of it. Um, it would have to be Airplane by like, by quite a long way, actually.
3: hmm yeah, I went into this one really not knowing which one I was going to end up picking, but it was watching them all back to back. It was interesting just seeing how how they really perfected the visual pun, these guys. That's what they did, I think separate to most other people who do spoofs, is, is they've really elevated it into an art form. Um, I found... Airplane to be more of less a movie and more a sketch show. I felt like I was watching. That's what I wrote down when I watched it. But Top Secret was much more missed than hit. And I feel like my love of that one might be based on nostalgia, as I said. Naked Gun, not as funny as I remember, as we've established. So I... I'm going for airplane as well. Yeah. There's something about, there's something special about that. Yeah. And, and they said on the commentary, I think, they, they, or an interview I read with them, that they feel like if you took the jokes out, it would still actually work as a movie.
1: It did work as a yes. movie. Yes. And that's because it's, it's not their own. It's because it's <laughs> yes. not their own movie. How cheeky. If you're the Rive right Zero, you're like, yeah, I fucking know it works as a movie. I fucking royalty.
3: <laughs> um,. But yeah, so I'm glad cuz this could have been a stalemate, couldn't it? This yeah. really could have been a stalemate, but
1: I am surprised like Naked Gun. I maybe I feel like that the way you feel about Topsy, like you see him and you just feel so like just so much warmth. Yeah. But it doesn't it just doesn't hold up as well. And not no, that's not fair. It's just not as funny as Airplane basically.
3: Yeah. Agreed. Nice. Okay, so uh, next week, Vicky, uh, you are going to pick.
1: Yes, I'm going to pick. Um, I've been thinking a lot about this. Uh, I think we all need something, you know, just to cheer us up. It's January. January is quite hard. Uh, Could just feel like such a difficult time to like get motivated. I think it's really important to remember like the simple things in life and uh, just to cherish those around you and just realize that that bonds are strong and and nothing can upset it apart from a massive bag of money. And so I am going to give you Chris Shallow Grave and I'm going to give Alex a simple plan. Oh. There you go.
3: So Danny Boyle versus Sam, Sam Raimi. Yeah. And where can people find these films?
1: Oh, a simple plan is on BBC iPlayer at the
3: moment. Excellent. So if you're in the UK, yeah. This is easy to get. Super free. If you're not in the UK, sorry. No,
1: not free because it's not- a license fee. Oh. Oh. Do you not pay your licence fee? Of course I pay my licence fee. <laughs> I don't get those letters that say, are you going to be in on the 2nd of January? And Shallow Grave, I think is on Amazon. Yes. I'm pretty sure it is. I think it is. Yeah, for I like think it's on Amazon.
3: £2.50 something. Great. Two good films. All right. Thank you, Vicky. Um, so thank you all for listening. Uh, sorry if I wasn't as good as Alex. Um, but <laughs> please, when you are rating and reviewing us on iTunes. Uh, don't say that. Just say how <laughs> great it was and maybe start the new year by telling your friends to give us a listen oh, as well. Oh, you know what I was
1: going to do for you, but you, I do think you might think it's patronising. You know the Martin McCutcheon song? This is your moment. Yeah, yeah. This, I was going to play that for you. This is my moment, but this is your moment.
3: You can sing it now.
1: This is your moment. And that's it. Do you feel like that?
3: This is your moment uh, because no one ever asked you to do this. Uh, do you want to tell our listeners what the email and <laughs> Twitter are? <clears throat>
1: Uh, Yeah, uh, you can um, find us on Twitter at ClashPod.
3: Exactly. And Um, I like it. People are sending in lots of suggestions at the moment. Yeah, they are. Uh, Some really good ones. We need to start using them.
1: We we are listening. (laughs) We are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We are. (laughs) Or you can email us at show at ClashPod.com.
3: Perfecto. Thanks. All right. Well, uh, thank you, Vicky. And as ever, thank you out there for listening. That is ClashPod over and out.